now we're recording. <laughs> so what I do is I'm just gonna pick something random from this, and then and then uh, you know, as a way to like set the tone, because mm, that's how professionals do it. Yeah, and then and then uh, I I layer the music. I like check it out. So we're having a conversation, right? Like, hey, welcome back to season two. We're gonna totally get into all this stuff. It's gonna be great. We'll talk about hey, listen to the sound quality, and then you say something funny. Uh, exactly, <laughs> and then I layer in. So you check it out. Here it comes like. And I'm layering in the music now. Okay, so here's something I... Uh, uh, no, no, we're fading out already. No, Sorry. No, no, wait. That's it. <laughs> I really want to test this. I want to, I want to see what it's... Sick Days Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm John. We are two self-employed friends that have been having the same conversation about video games for the past 29 years now. Yeah. And we're going to tell you why our opinions on them <laughs> are right. <laughs> 85% of our lives. I did the math a second ago. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I can't believe we've been doing it that long, and I'm happy we're back for a season two. Yeah, this is season two. And this is something we're going to keep on going now for a multitude of reasons. <laughs> yeah, we had some kind of, well, I we both had some big life events. I had a massive life event, and kind of the kind of forced our hand on having season two from season one while we disappeared for a minute arguably one of the yeah top three life events you could have possibly the biggest yeah no definitely Ar- arguably the arguably the largest arguably the largest yeah yeah but i'll we'll get into that in a second yeah so season two um first thing you may notice is the sound quality we're not recording on a cell phone anymore <laughs> we actually <laughs> shelled out money for real equipment <laughs> so that we could talk and not sound like we're in an airplane or something. Yeah, we've got these sweet microphones, a little mixing board, a little cable that goes to a, a little computer. I don't know why I'm saying little and everything. But, yeah. <laughs> it's just little. Everything yeah. is so tiny. Yeah, Compared to us, these things are tiny. The well, important thing is that now we sound good. Oh, I, su- I hope we sound good. I think we sound good. Oh, this is off to a terrible start. We sound great. I'm so out of, out of <laughs> I can't even say out of so, so it may take us practice. About there we go. 20 minutes to get back in the swing of things, but I think we'll be okay. Yeah. So, so you got a kid, but Life now, but now you're not going to have another kid again immediately. So. Yes, that's it. Well, yeah, thanks for spoiling it for me. It's, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever. I yeah. So I, Aaron and I had a baby girl. Uh, she's 14 weeks old now, and she's amazing. Uh, so amazing, in fact, that while I used to want to have three kids or so, I was like, yeah, I want like two or three kids. And now I don't know if I want to have another one because I don't want to roll the dice on having a terrible baby. Yeah, I think my understanding on kids is the first one is usually pretty fantastic. So that <laughs> That's how they get you. So that God wants you to have more. He's like teases you with the first one and then the rest this is what my dad always used to say. Uh, when when Nick and Lauren were born who are much better behaved now, but when they were kids, oh, yeah. you know, they were, uh, they were great. What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, sure. There's some stories about that. Um so Nick yeah. and Lauren are your Younger brother, much younger brother and sister. Right, my much younger brother and sister. So it is a big risk rolling the dice, and uh, it's risky for the podcast, so I don't want you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Priorities in life. Arden, podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess the brewery, too, where I work. Yeah, uh, you know. Money's, uh, good. Money's good. Well, the nice thing, too, about that is I get to stay in Austin now. So the whole time we were recording the podcast in season one, I was also driving um, – to San Antonio often, but Houston every week because I was doing you know deliveries and building our market there, and obviously with the baby coming, that wasn't going to be an option for us. So you know I spent a lot of the fall 
uh, getting distribution deals in place for San Antonio and Houston. So now I don't have to travel to those markets except for visiting family. And I'll occasionally work, put some work in there on the trips as well. Uh, so yeah, that's nice. I'm not, yeah. I'm not tri- traveling nearly as much anymore. Glad to have you back. Yeah, me too. It's nice to stay in Like that first couple of weeks where I was like just in Austin for a while. I was like, oh, this is great. It feels like to just hang out and not be on the road all the time. Yeah. So what else has been going on? So that's a big thing. We're able to actually, now that you have got a rhythm, yeah. record our podcast again. We've got equipment. But what other less important life events have been going on? We'll just kind of update y'all in the past five months or so of our lives as we oh. kind of get back in the swing of things. Yeah. I think the big kid, highlights. Uh, the kid is kind of the biggest yeah. one. Yeah. Her name's Arden, A-R-D-E-N, old English name. Uh, yeah. It's a good name. Arden's sounds thing. good and it's unique, which is cool. She kind of consumes all of our energy, but it's also great because there's some nights where I'm like, I just want to not go out anywhere and just hang out with my little baby. Cool. And sometimes I'm like, I need you to take a nap because I've got video games to play. You got to let her know. That's right. I so said. So <laughs> I my my big life event, which is not near as important, but I went to Japan last year. Yeah. How sure. was that? Japan was really cool. I asked uh, like I hadn't you hadn't already told right, me. Right, <laughs> yeah, but Japan is really cool and most relevant to this podcast is I played in seven different arcades while I was there. Basically anytime we went to a new district or a new city, I mm-hmm. wanted to play in an arcade just to kind of test all of them out. Oh badass. And uh, it was cool. I mean, most arcades have the same games there, but my best experience was playing Tekken against some random guy. And we just sat down, we played, I don't know, three games. I would have played more, but I had to meet Rachel for dinner, and he beat me each of the three times, uh, and his friends came up afterward and gave me an unopened bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> it was like, thanks for playing our friend, or it was a consolation, it was a consolation or whatever. <laughs> I think it was just sort of like, a, I don't want to say olive branch, but just like a, hey, you know, we don't know how to talk to you, but this is something we can give you to say. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> You're an American. You like Coca-Cola, right. right? And you like Tekken, which is even more important. Well, there's <laughs> vending machines everywhere, and everyone's drinking Coke or Red Bull or something, so they can uh, stay okay. wired to play in the arcades the whole night. Makes sense, yeah. So, uh, But the arcades was a really great experience, and was probably in my top 10 experiences of Japan, is just going to arcades. Um, seeing everybody doing what they're doing there, playing the fighting games, the dancing games. There's a really cool dancing game called Dance Rush that I recommend anyone to check out and play. Okay. Way better version of DDR. Um, and that's my big thing. I also got a new computer. That's right. Yeah, around Christmas, which I had a couple of issues with. I had to uh, arm. I had to send back my motherboard and get a replacement. And then my power supply died and had to refund that and go buy another one at Fry's. That's but for- now it works. It just took me an extra 15 hours of screwing around to figure it all out and deal with it yeah that's like the worst the, the one of the best feelings is putting a computer together turning it on for the first time and then it works yeah, yeah. so it sucks when it doesn't happen yeah i still don't have a new computer i'm still uh just rolling with what i got and it doesn't run games at all because there's still <laughs> something wrong i at think least, yeah I think at least you the, have your ps4 i do still have my ps4 and it's great i also have a i traded laptops with my dad and uh i think there was a virtual memory issue or allocation issue and I, I that I've been dealing with with the laptop making it run really really slow and I think I figured that out last week and got it fixed mm. and it seems to be running much better now because cool. it's a fairly new laptop so it should be running smooth cool so hopefully that's right well anyways nobody really cares about our no video you know. uh, but professionally uh, I still have my websites that I'm running but I've also been writing a book has been my new big project I'm about 35,000 words in it's like a supernatural suspense horror book so I'm looking forward to 
actually finishing it this year is my, my biggest goal professionally of the year. Yeah. yeah. Good. So we'll see how that goes. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. You will love it. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait for it to be you will. turned into an audio book and then listen to it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the best way of indulging in, in books. Hey, I'll turn into an audio book for you. I can, sure. <laughs> Just using these microphones? Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> okay. I won't do that. Uh, and then, yeah. You got anything else for your life catch? Um, fourth tap, anything new? I mean, you've already talked about traveling and that's changed. Yeah, no, that's the big thing. I mean, this year too, is just it's a... You know our, our production's ramping up like crazy. Uh, you know the, we typically feel the pressure for because March is when kind of the industry comes back here in Austin, and we feel that pressure in mid February because that's when the we have to start you know producing to get ahead of it so the beer's ready in time. Um, but this year it was like by the end of the second week of January we were already feeling the pressure. Um, we had like a historic January which is awesome. That's great. Uh, February still sucks because it's February, but it's our best February we've had. Still a shitty February. Yeah, it's also been especially cold, which I'm sure hurts. Yeah, that's not the greatest. Um, but you know, it's it, it is what it is. And then March is looking super fun. So yeah, it's it's been it's just been really busy. We just got a lot of challenges we're trying to overcome. We're getting our fourth year of business now, and um, but things are going well. Cool. Well, for our episode today, we're going to be talking about a few things. We have a few news items. We'll broach in a second here. Yeah. And then our two big segments. I'm going to talk. I'm going to take the lead on talking about how long is too long for a video game. Yep. And then you've got something for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the brilliance of Rockstar's open world games. Uh, there's a little game that came out uh, back in the fall called Red Dead Redemption 2. Little game. Which may or may not be one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest or one of the most beautiful games ever made in the history of games. And then uh, we're going to throw CD Projekt right in there because they they're coming up in their abilities. We've talked about it before, but you know there's there's more to talk about now. Yep, and we'll dive into just yeah yeah. And then we've we've got some new things we're going to try. Uh, season two, we've got some ideas. Uh, we got a little game we're going to play at the end uh, that you'll be able to participate if you're listening. Um, and then in the future, we're we're going to really focus this this year or this season on bringing um, guests onto the show. And so we've got not not every episode, but every couple episodes, we're going to bring people on. Um, we've got a that fourth tab. We've been hosting this weekly Smash Brothers tournament, uh, which is an of, official tournament, I believe. Where you know we've had pros fly in from yeah, like seeds into a bigger tournament event. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's usually about sixty to eighty people that show up every every Monday, which is a lot. It's a ton of people. <laughs> yeah. I go to a local arcade fighting game scene. It's a weekly for Tekken, and then we get like fifteen to twenty people. Yeah, this is seriously sixty to eighty people every week. We have we had a few people fly in from other states who are pro players just to compete. So it's pretty. The guys who are running it are um, they did some of the the tournaments at uh, DreamHack that we were at last mm. last spring. So I, well, I want to bring them on the show. Did you know DreamHack is moving to Dallas this year? That is so fucking lame. It sucks. Because <laughs> that was fun. I wanted to go again this year. Yeah, I, I mean, want to go to Dallas. I don't want to. We could. Well, okay, we'll, we'll see. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we, you know, we've got some hookups with Digital Devolver, you know, well-known indie game publisher. We might bring some of them onto the show. Uh, a buddy of ours is in the game industry. We haven't asked him yet. We're thinking he'd be cool to talk to us at least. Yeah, we've known him since high school. Yeah, for a little while. He's made some pretty good JRPGs. Some well-known games, yeah. So, so the the goal there is just we want to bring more people on, and we're not, you know, we're not a, a super technical, you know, deep dive show. We're more of like a, you know, just sharing our passion about video games the goal is like we'll bring these people on talk to them a little bit about what they're up to and then just find out like what kind of games they're into and what they're excited about and kind of related to other games that are out there in the cosmos yeah yeah 
So, uh, speaking of games, I have I have the best news for you right now. Okay. It's called Lineage Two, and <laughs> it's back. It's still on my phone. We've gone ten minutes without talking about <laughs> it, but now it's here. I I have not played it in a couple months. Still installed on my phone, but. I'm thinking about deleting it. Cool. It's just tough because I sunk so much time into it. Yep, that's uh, how MMOs work. But uh, embarrassingly, I so I'm sure I got kicked out of my my guild, uh, the Cherry Blossoms. All the best, all the best for them. I hope I hope they just succeed amazingly. Um, no grudge. No grudge at all. No, they're that's great. Good. I mean, I, I, they should have kicked me out. They should have definitely playing. kicked you. Yeah. Out. <laughs> um, and then I replaced that with another uh, Korean-made um, strategy RPG game, um, which I'm not going to tell you the name of. It's it's one of those like Ever? no I don't think so I'm kind of embarrassed it's like a character collectible game with some heavy fan service and and strategy elements and so I'm just like I don't know why I'm playing it but I am and I'm not gonna tell you what it is and that's nope, how it I is. need to go try to find it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the game that I am playing a lot right now is called Top Eleven it's a uh, football manager like soccer manager uh, mm-hmm. but it's a um, mobile app. Or mobile game and so what's great about it is the games are kind of played in real time so like my team's next game is i think tonight at 9 p.m and then my next game after that is tomorrow like 11 30 a.m or something and you're playing against real people you know i'm in there's my league play champions league play there's a cup that i've, I've already been knocked out of um but yeah you, you get your players you sign and draft build up your you know your stadium area and and you get bonuses from that and um so you, the great thing is you got to balance like training your guys, their condition, and recruiting the right people, putting them in the right positions, you know, the, all the things that come with a football management game, right? And uh, then play real people. It's fun. And, and then well, the company makes money off of selling yeah. faster speeds, and you can watch ads. Yeah, it's, to, fr- to it's, free, it. it's free to play. There is I like a, talking about how the, the model works on yeah. mobile games, because that's like the biggest thing for mobile games is how does the company make money because it's such a large impact on how the gameplay works out right like so, how much do you care about how balanced things are yeah progression and with this game it's it's free to play but there's definitely a play to win aspect it's but the the most powerful thing you can do is this uh, and i was telling about this earlier it's called watch ads to win which is a w-a-t-w <laughs> is, is the model sure. and that's like a common model i've seen in a lot of games right. especially recently it's not a new model but it's just become very very prevalent where if you want to do well in the game at all you have to sit there spamming ads over and over and over so you can keep getting you know in this case little tokens that that you know boost your players condition up so they're really tired you watch an ad now they're not tired at all and they can train them again right it's definitely something that any kind of pvp game for me at least sours the game because i'm not going to spend money and i'm not going to spend time doing that and so i get turned off pretty quickly i did actually download and start playing uh one game in japan that i thought was really good for a mobile game and it's not as popular because there's not heavy pvp components and there's not heavy pay to win and so i don't think people are get as addictively into it mm-hmm. as some of these other gacha games uh, but it's called sadorica sunset okay it is a sort of match three uh rpg you have three characters and you collect them through sort of the normal mechanic of you get loot and you get new characters and you can level them up Mm -hmm. Uh, but the combat has actually got strategic elements to it because you have three characters with three different colored orbs that you can use and you match them in different ways depending on how they come up in the order what's it called again uh sudorica sunset s-d-o-r-i-c-a 
Uh, it is by far the best mobile free-to-play game that I found. And I downloaded 25. That's the game. That's the one. I downloaded like 25 games in Japan. Million downloads, 4.6 mm-hmm. rating. That's not bad. It is good. I would recommend anyone check it out if you want a mobile game that actually has some element of skill. Uh, and it's got a cool like quest system. So it's a good game to play, I don't know, for a few hours a week. Cool. I'm downloading it now. Cool. Sweet. Uh, that's, that's my counterpoint. And then we've got news, which is another segment we're going to kind of talk about when we, with season two, just give you a few big news items from the past week or two. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's going to be the structure of the episodes too. We're going to have our intro piece in this intro section. We'll talk a bit about news, what's going on, you know, what's current. Section two will be kind of a, a prep prepared topic, I guess. And then section three, something similar, but at the end of section three, we'll, you know, do our outro, sound bites, that kind of thing. Yep. Um. Yeah. Let's talk about news. What's in? What's the big news right now, Chris? Well, it's Apex Legends. Yeah, it is. Clearly, EA really hit it out of the park with Apex Legends, and uh, hopefully, Anthem catches up because it's looking <laughs> kind of in that middle ground right now. But Apex Legends uh, is the best battle royale is it available. The, is it the Fortnite killer? I don't know. If it's a Fortnite killer. It's got different things that it does, or a- Fortnite does different things than Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. And it obviously has a lot of momentum just from being around for a year already. Yeah. It is definitely the competitor, though, that can dethrone it. Yeah. And the squad mechanics are cool. The The biggest part of the game is just how easy it is to play. Yeah. Have you played it yet? I've played it. Yeah, I've played yeah. a few matches. Yeah. I've, so I, I picked it up last weekend, and I've also played a lot. And yeah, I could, I agree with you. It is a, it's just, it's a fun game. It's like, fun. It's just, I just have a, I'm playing it. I'm getting my ass handed to me by these 12 year olds. And that's frustrating. Don't get me wrong. But I'm still like, I'm just having fun. I don't know what else to say. The class or the character class system is cool. It's reminiscent of Overwatch. We have unique characters in the game. They're yeah. not as distinct as they are in Overwatch. But it is a very, but they have yeah. a few just things that mix up the formula. Yeah. Uh, but the, the big thing is just how easy it is to play when you pick up items and weapons there's not a cumbersome inventory system to deal with it's very user friendly you have a great ping system that you can signal to your allies without having to use a microphone to tell them what you intend to do or what you want to do yeah it's a, it's a situationally based uh single button communication system so you point at an item you hit it it's like hey this is a level two helmet sitting here and it lets your team know that it's there and that's that's actually genuinely useful because you're trying to get everybody kitted up or you point off in the direction, hit the same button, it's going to say, hey, let's go explore over there. Or you know, while you're, you're launching, say, hey, let's land over there. Or if you see an enemy, point it at them, hit it, and it's like, hey, there's an en- enemy over there. So it's, it's, just, it's a single button, situationally, uh, situational communication, and I, I find it to be super conv- convenient. So Yeah, it is cool. I, I'm not going to play it too much because shooters have just sort of lost their luster for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not... The thing that I don't like about it, and it's not Apex specifically, but any of these, is that you don't really learn from the games. There's a little bit, but most of the game is just, I need to shoot the person, yeah. right? It's a, shooters are heavily based on being able to shoot people, right? right. That is the main thing you learn. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really come away with, oh man, next time I'll do this. It's just, next time I'll shoot better. <laughs> I mean, there's... I'm not saying, I, I'm oversimplifying it, yeah. but compared to a lot of other genres, that is true. I thought you were saying, like, I didn't learn anything that improved, like, my core existence as a human being from the game. Right, yeah. no, just, yeah. like, learning about improving the game. Oh, and strategically, next time I'll do this. Like, when I play a good board game, uh, or when I play an RTS or a fighting game, I'm like, next time, I need to try to do this. I, would, I don't know if I agree with that entirely. I have, cert- each time I'm playing, I mean, there's definitely... 
you know, you, you, as you learn the map, you learn the mechanics because it's not all it's not all obvious right from the beginning. And sure. the way you know the way you can, yeah, I don't know if I'd agree with that entirely. I haven't played it enough to like, you know, put this into into a strong argument. But I would say there's there's definitely strategy to be learned. And I'm not saying there's not strategy in the game, but it's like I don't want to say simplistic squad strategy, but it is not as brain burning of squad strategy as there are in team versus team games uh, like there's not as much strategy as you would perform in overwatch because there's so many chaotic factors of the game mm -hmm. that strategy takes a back seat there's I, just so much chaos in the well, game i haven't played enough i really haven't played overwatch at all so i couldn't I well couldn't I, tell you anytime no. there's a lot of chaos in a game it'll devolve strategy and there's a ton of chaos in battle royales which is partially why they're so popular because you could win because you could literally win by only killing one person yeah right i mean that's probably which is fine it's cool it's just uh, that isn't as exciting to me. That's fair. We can bring it up another time. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to talk play about some the more. strategic elements of Battle Royale. Yeah, so, I mean, from what I've played from Apex Legends, it's well, it's at the end of the day, it's just fun. Like, sure, I just, it is a fun game. I no, just, no questions. I'm like I said, great best Battle Royale playing. out there. <laughs> yeah, without I don't, a, I, don't, I don't see how I could play a different one if I wanted to play one. Um, um, I have two other news topics. Okay. What you got? Uh, one is just a quick one on kind of the industry. Uh, so THQ Nordic is a company that, for those that don't know, it's originally called Nordic Games, mm -hmm. and they bought the rights to use THQ, so then they added it to. Their, and they bought some of their games in their portfolio. I they got like all the games. Yeah, they may have. I don't know. They they may have gotten all the games, okay. but now they rebranded as THQ Nordic because THQ had a big name presence. Oh, it still does. Lots of cachet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more with our age, with like late twenties and up, probably because yeah. it had a period where it did nothing. Anyway, so they uh, just acquired another or raised another two hundred twenty-five million dollars for funding today. Uh, uh, which, what? How much? Yeah, $225 million. Two, where do you raise $225 million? Well, when you acquire uh, Warhorse Studios, who made Kingdom Come Deliverance. Do you, do you know that game? I remember the name. So it's basically probably the biggest indie game that came out last year, I'm going to say. Okay. It is a uh, game that's an open world medieval game. Not fantasy, medieval, set in Bohemia, like okay. where the Czech Republic is now. Old Bohemia, and it is extremely realistic. It's a game that I think we talked about at some point, but the core of the combat experience is your character sucks at the beginning. Like you're just a blacksmith and you feel it. You're not able to like swing swords like a normal person. Like it's actually cumbersome to play the game <laughs> okay. because your character sucks <laughs> and it gets better over time and the game gets easier to play. And that's like one of the core mechanics is it's kind of cool. You actually feel like you are a peasant evolving into an awesome warrior throughout the course of the game. I haven't played it yet. I, my brother got it for me for Christmas, but okay. I want some time to like really kind of dive into it. What I, platforms is it available on? Uh, I think it's available for everything, but I don't know. I, I know it's on PC at least. I'd be into trying that game out. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so they just bought them and got some more money. So I thought that was noteworthy. And then also, uh, so Evo Japan was last weekend and there were a variety of things that happened. But the coolest thing I thought as a, as a Tekken player is you will never guess what country the winner of Tekken 7 Evo Japan what, what country he was from. Uh, you want me to, I'll give I, you three guesses. Three guesses, okay. And it's not in Asia. It's not from Asia. Well, you just do not... I mean, yeah, I, I just want you not <laughs> to guess those because okay. that's the easiest thing. Don't waste my time. All right, so not from Asia. This is the... So this is international invitation, right? International. Okay. There's yeah, people from every country there. I feel like it's not America, not United States. Not the United States, nope. All right, I'm going to guess uh, Mexico. Okay, no. No, all right. N really far away from mexico <laughs> okay wrong wrong yeah. continent uh, yeah wrong continent okay <laughs> wrong wrong continent um i'm gonna guess 
Is it in Europe? Close to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that pretty narrows it down to like... Yeah, it does. South Africa? Nope. Uh, I'll go a little, little uh, northeast, a little in between Europe and Africa. The, uh, you just tell me. I, I go. Pakistan. Really? The winner is from Pakistan. Wait, I thought you said not Asia. That's not... No, well, okay. You're right. That's Asia. <laughs> I, kinda, uh, I think of it as the mid, like, Middle East. But you're right. It's technically a, Asia. Yeah, I think that's... Okay. <laughs> like East Asia. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. You still probably wouldn't have guessed it. Uh-huh. No, well, no, I would not have guessed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Arslan Ash. He played not only, was he from Pakistan, which is a country that's done nothing in Tekken, uh, he played a character that everyone said was underpowered. <laughs> really? Yeah, he is like pretty low on tier list because she got nerfed, Kazumi, uh, and just dominated everyone. He was clearly the best player. He beat like all of the best players uh in tekken on route to winning the tournament wow uh, so if you want to watch good solid tekken watch his top eight games yeah. uh it is some of the best tekken i've watched even if you don't play Tekken, even if you don't play it like that if you don't and watch it and get entertained by it you will not get entertained by any tekken <laughs> that's how good it is bold statement yeah it's just such solid gameplay that it's fun to watch okay yeah uh so that's it for news I think I, those are the biggest items for me. I got one other big. Okay. What not, else? Not, well, I got two. Two smaller ones. Okay. Uh, one, if anybody's familiar with a little little card game called Magic the Gathering. <laughs> you remember this one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think most of us, have, you know, if you've ever played, you've kind of, well, it's been around. It's been around. Uh, I remember Jeff and I, uh, our mutual friend Jeff and I, were probably, I think you and I played too on the school bus, yeah. like trying to play on the Definitely. seats. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. Those were. Um, but they released a uh, PC-based version of the game. Where you have like it's it's kind of animated. It's a like think of Hearthstone, right? But Magic the Gathering, um, with a player match system and everything. It tracks. What's great about it is it it tracks everything for you. All all the weird like esoteric little you know changes on every creature are all explained right there very easily. And the game now that you know if you I kind of revisited the game over the last few years. We had some people at the brewery who were who were big into it and posted a few tournaments and. Uh, I've learned that the rules and the mechanics of like working through even a single round have all become very, very complicated and strict because you have <laughs> to like make sure everything's executing in a certain order. So what's nice is the game just handles all of that for you. Right. And so you can have these really fun games. Uh, so I've, I've actually been playing that. It's been fun. Cool. It's just going with the free to play. Have you spent any money on told, it? No, I haven't spent any money on it. It's free to play. Um, it's just a fun, like if you enjoy the game ever and it's fun to just play i mean if you enjoyed magic the gathering it's what it is cool um and the last little bit is it's a youtube channel that i've been watching okay it's my new favorite youtube channel uh it's called jablinski games have you heard of jablinski games no it sounds cool all right so jack black (laughs) created a youtube channel this year uh it's a gaming channel so he's going after uh ninja and and the other big streamers and gamers to make the jack black channel so the first video comes out Within 24 hours, millions of views. He already has uh, three, four millions. Wait, let me just look it up. He's got a lot of subscribers. A couple million subscribers within like the first week. Because it's, I mean, it's Jack Black. It's Jack Black. He's got some, he's right. got some uh, pull. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull up the real time, uh, real time data on Jablinski Games. And he should have a new video out too. I want to watch that. <laughs> yeah. So Jack Black, he's got uh, 3.7 million subscribers. And that first video he released, um, 29 seconds long, 10 million views. <laughs> and then his next video was like 
nine million views. Uh, here's the best part. 29 seconds long. <laughs> yeah. So what I love about it, and I'm not giving it away because at this point, it's like everybody kind of knows a shtick. Every single episode starts off with him going, hey, guys, sorry, no games this week. I had so-and-so happen. I can't get into this. And then it's just like a, it's just videos of him like uh, – so, so the joke is he's never streaming any games. Uh, except for one episode, he's fake streaming a game. And then he's like, I'm sorry I lied. This isn't me actually playing the game. <laughs> I There's no gaming this week because so-and-so stole my thing or something like that. Um but it's actually a lot of fun because clearly he's really into arcades and pinball and these old old um, going out to the arcades. So it's him and his two kids. And a lot of the videos are them traveling out to like in, in Los Angeles to like the video game museums or pinball museums or arcades and them playing at these places. And you get to see these kind of cool games. You get to hear him talk about stuff. And he's got like an old Atari. So he's pulled like he, he's playing like Donkey Kong in one of the games. And uh, uh, videos and so it's it's fun like watching him. He's got a, he's clearly a passion for games and so he's just it's it's and plus it's Jack Black. The dude's funny. Yeah, I will watch that. I haven't heard of it, but it's it's totally it's new channel. Very he's digestible at twenty nine seconds. Well, the video I know that they get longer. I yeah, see yeah, they get longer at least. But, but it's just it's just it's been a blast watching him like produce these videos because I was like, no way this is gonna be. You know, so then I started watching. Like, this is really funny. That's awesome. I actually look forward to his next cool. video. So, yeah, that's Jablinski Games. Worth checking out. All right, and that'll do it for our news segment. I think so. Yeah. So that's the news. Uh, we're and, gonna and our life updates and everything. Yeah. So it's it's longer than we're intending it to be, but that we'll get shorter yeah. <laughs> after this episode. Now that we've kind of caught up on some things. In, th- in theory. In theory, <laughs> I, I believe. All right, so we'll <laughs> yeah. now we'll waste more time as we just said that for no reason. Yeah, so uh, I guess we need to cut out to the break, and then we're going to come back into section two. You're going to talk about some stuff. Yeah, I'm going to talk about when uh, a game is too long. Yeah, and I don't like, know when that is. You're talking like 160 hour plus too long, right? Yeah, you'll find out what the game is soon. <laughs> All right. Really soon. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> Welcome back to part two. part two. How long is too long for a video game? So I have been playing Pathfinder Kingmaker, which is a mm-hmm. CRPG, which is in the style of like Baldur's Gate, Pillars of Eternity, etc. Okay. Yep. Uh, that came out last year. It was super buggy when it came out, but I started playing a few months after that, and they fixed most of the bugs. Okay. Uh, the game is about 140 to 160 hours to finish it all is what the like, estimates are that I'm seeing. Is that is that like the main quest or is that including That's, yeah, all the side? Yeah, it's including a reasonable amount of side stuff, maybe not doing all of the side stuff. Okay, so but not, it's not 100% completion. Not 100%, but like 85%, something. Like imagine doing enough side quests in Baldur's Gate 2 to get to close to max level that you could get to. Okay. Like enough that you feel as strong as you could possibly be. So that's kind of what the same thing is in Pathfinder. Okay. Um, so I'm about 65, 65 hours into the game and I don't think I'm going to play it anymore <laughs> Okay. because I'm just kind of tired of playing the game and it's been a good experience until now, but yeah. I just over time has waned and I think part of it is just 65 hours is a long time to spend on a game and the way that it's structured uh, every so it's basically broken down into six acts because okay. it's based on the Pathfinder campaign adventure book. So there's like a can't like for actual physical Pathfinder, like you could play tabletop. Yeah, like yeah. I was going right? to ask if this is what's rela- if so it's related. So it's based to the, on okay. the story, which is a six part adventure, mm-hmm. and so each of those are related to one another, but they could basically be taken as their own individual game for the most part. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So when I beat the first chapter, I was like, okay, this could have been a 10-hour game or 15-hour game, and I would have been fine with yeah. it. And, you know, and then the next text kind of follows the same thing. The cohesive element to it and why it would be difficult to actually break it down is you are running a kingdom. So in addition to the CRPG element of it, mm-hmm. you have a barony, and you assign advisors to uh, combat problems, to take care of opportunities that present themselves so that your kingdom can grow and prosper. You make decisions based on your alignment. So I was a lawful neutral character. And so there was lots of order in my kingdom, in my barony. Uh, So, but if you play a more chaotic character, things are just crazy everywhere because it's sort of, hey, do whatever you want. And the game actually changes some of how the story plays out and some of how your intimate relationships with other characters play out based on your alignment. That sounds like fun. So it is cool. But after 65 hours, it starts to wear thin. It doesn't add a lot of gameplay. It just adds a few cool things that you see occasionally. Uh-huh. And the payoff for getting to those cool points can be way too long. I've read about some stuff that happens later in the game that is cool to look back and see, hey, this decision led to this. Yep. But the payoff just takes so long that by the time that's happened, you're like, I don't even remember what I did to cause this. So you're saying, it's. I guess my question would be, you know, is it? And, and let me try to understand this right. So you're either, you're saying it's kind of a, it's it's a lack of evolving game mechanics. It's causing it to be a problem, or is it the narrative? This so is it's dragging, or is it both? It's both. Okay. And so, I am. It's definitely both. So mechanically, the progression, which is a core component of a fun RPG, right, is not very interesting after you get past level ten or so for non-spellcasters. Okay. And even then, spellcasters. Spellcasters are kind of weird in the game because there are a lot of enemies that you really can't defeat unless you use the right spell. Uh, for instance, I just went through an area with like a ton of undead that would literally could drain one of my characters, all of their levels, and auto-kill them in one hit. Uh, so, But you need a spell which can counter that. Yeah. Uh, but unless you no pathfinder or you google or something you maybe won't think about it you know because there's a list of 100 spells so picking out the right (laughs) one it's like okay i just kind of need to know it and the spell is called death ward so it makes sense but yeah yeah. but you're also you think that there's more than one way of solving a problem but there's really not in that (laughs) situation and there are situations like that in the game that start arising as you get further and further into the game Okay. That are kind of frustrating. So you're not like playing with this flexible, ooh, this is what I want to do. Whereas in Pillars of Eternity 2, you had a lot of options for how do I want to play this game? Right. And how do I create synergies between my characters? You don't have that in Pathfinder, in my opinion. Would you say that it's more tailored for like hardcore fans of Pathfinder? Or is this more it, like accessible to air? It, sound, I mean, it sounds like either it's it, bad game it, design or it's just really So there it for, is very true know. to Pathfinder. Okay. Like it is Pathfinder uh, at its core, put into a real time with pause. RPG. Okay. And I don't want, I'm not saying like it's a bad game. It's a good game. I enjoyed it for 65 hours, but just at some point, it's a long time. RPGs need to keep evolving and going to the other element of it. Narrative is the other way that you structure that, that you stay interested in the game. Yeah. But after 65 hours, I feel like I've done, I don't know, 15 hours of story. Like it could have been condensed a lot because most of what happens isn't that interesting by itself. There's just so much in between the big story narrative moments that I, I sort of lose interest in what's happening. Whereas I read you know, a book, 
there's 20 hours of interesting stuff that happens in 20 hours. Yeah. yeah. In Pathfinder, there's 15 hours of interesting stuff that happens in 65 hours. Unless you're reading uh, Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Yeah, in and which then it's case, like, yeah, <laughs> it's even so worse than that ratio. You get there, like, welcome to this town. I'm going to spend the next two chapters describing this door. Yeah, luckily that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, I, I think Pathfinder is cool when you approach it from, I just want to go on an adventure every once in a while with yeah. the same group of characters, because the characters are pretty good. Okay. Uh, actually, Tristan is the cleric, and he's sort of this goody-goody two-shoes cleric that you'd normally see. Like, <laughs> Would archetypal. be named Tristan. Yeah. Right. Uh, but he actually was my favorite character in the game, and he does he has a good evolution uh, to his story to the point where after I decided, ah, I don't really want to play this game anymore, I didn't even really care about the story because it was pretty obvious where it was going. I just wanted to know what happened with his narrative. Okay. And so I did like look all up, and it is a cool narrative. Uh, so they do a few things to turn archetypes on their head, and, That's good. and I like that. Uh, but the game, just by the end of it, I was like, I kind of, I don't think I want to play this anymore. Wow. Okay. Uh, and, and I actually did that pretty recently with another game uh, called Bard's Tale Four. Okay. I. I it's about a 35-hour game. so That's it, not that long. It's not long. No. I played about, maybe it's 30 hours, and I played 20 hours. Well, I'm gonna, so I'm going to pause you for a moment. Yeah, go ahead. Because the, you know, I, I have an issue with games being too short. I feel like that was a trend over the last 15, 10 years or so, mm -hmm. 10 years maybe, where games would just get, and I think it's been reversed in the last couple of years, but games would be, you know, you'd pay 55, 60 bucks for a AAA title game, and you're getting 15 hours of a game or 20 hours of a game tops. And like that just felt like a ripoff because when we were growing up, you know, there's a time we were bragging about the length of the game. We're like, right. oh man, this is 60 hours to finish. Or like the final, fa the some final, final fantasy, fantasy games. Or, 100 hours right. to finish, right? You could spend a ton of time playing them. Yeah, yeah. And that was like at the point of pride at that time. Of course, we were just young and we we're just, you know, whatever. Um, and we didn't have a lot of games to play. Exactly. <laughs> and, we had a, and we had a lot of time to play them. It, it, yeah, all the time, few games, whereas now it's all the games and not so much time right. uh so that's you know, that that's definitely gonna be part of it um but there's a sweet spot too because like i don't want to be if i'm if I, especially i'm spending money like like 60 bucks on a game now is what like new games cost or even 30 dollars or 40 dollars like i expect to get a certain amount of if it's a rpg a certain like amount of play time out of the game right so that's interesting because a lot of people i think agree with you that they want if it's below a certain threshold of hours not playing it or it's, it's a ripoff or yeah. they'll leave it a bad review. Yeah. And I, I agree somewhat with that. Obviously there is, if you pay $60 and the game is five hours long, uh, it's pretty hard to make a game good enough to make that five hours. I worth mean, you it. can balance it out with replayability. Right. So if it's a short game that can be played over and over and over again, well, that's a different story. Right. I mean, cause if you could argue that like, you know, apex legends, the game lasts like one and a half minutes to 15 minutes. Right. And then you play it again. It's just the, re the replayability works. It does know. seem like people don't appreciate replayability in RPGs, though. Uh, Tyranny is a good example of a game that's about 20 hours to beat. Yeah. And people thrashed it for being a short game, but the game is incredibly replayable. You can probably have four very unique playthroughs based on the factions that you align yourselves with. Yeah. No. And But people were like, no, I'd rather have an 80-hour game than four 20-hour <laughs> games. And, and I get that to an extent because once you've invested time uh developing a character and playing through a story like there's uh take red dead redemption 2 for example like i know some people already played it two or three times through and i've thought about playing it again to try other stuff but i just don't want to have to go through all of the the um intro narrative right like i don't want to have to have the game like it, i appreciate how the game teaches you how you know games teach you how to play the game but you have to go back through that 
Like you have to go back through that that same shit. Yeah, you don't want a very long intro period if you have a choice driven game. Yeah, like if I'm gonna, if I'm going to be replaying your game, I don't want to spend the first ten hours, you know, in in the tutorial version of the game because like that's that prevents me from. You know, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And a lot of games don't do a very good job of getting you back into the actual meat of the gameplay choices quickly. Right. Tyranny right. does a pretty good job of it, um, but there aren't very many. Yeah, but but I mean that's of course. The, the brilliance of, of some of these games, though, is that they have these amazing... They ease you into the gameplay over a long period of time, so it doesn't feel like you're going through an intro. The problem is, I think that would inhibit the ability I, to go I back. I think I would Anyways. pay up to 5 to $6 per hour of gameplay. So, like, <laughs> so like thinking of a $60 game, I, a if, it, if it was a 10-hour game, I would be okay. But the game has to be fantastic. I don't know, right? man, that seems That's a lot, dude. That's. I, I think Witcher... I mean, okay, Witcher's not a great example because it's <laughs> 100 plus hours. <laughs> yeah. uh, Doom is an example of a 60-hour game, or a $60 game that I think is worth it. Oh, okay. It's 10 to 12 hours probably. But that's way more replayable. It right? is replayable. You're right. You don't have to, though. But no. you're right. It is replayable. It's a super fun game. Uh, Transistor is a short game that I really liked. It's a six-hour game. Okay. I, but it's twenty dollars because it's an indie game, twenty five dollars, something like that. Yeah, and yeah. that's in that same vein. I just think short games are great because I feel like a lot of long games just try to fill content with crap, and I don't really want to go through that. I want to just have a fully well thought out, well executed from start to finish story or experience. Yeah, no, I could see that. Like. A 40-hour game that has been well-crafted, all 40 hours have been well-designed versus a 100-hour game where, you know, even if it still has, also has 40 hours of well-designed content, but there's 60 more hours of just random filler side quest stuff. Like, I get that. You know, I, I get, I, I can see the issue there. And that's really, I think, at the core of what makes a game too long is <laughs> when you start adding this filler content. Uh, and I was going to bring it up later, but, but Pathfinder has a lot of filler content there are a lot of nodes throughout the world so you have a little node to node section you travel okay. between in the world is how you get around and a lot of the nodes are just a cave with a different enemy in it or a different grouping of enemies like a randomly generated or is it actually no i mean it's handcrafted okay and so there's some good battles but after a while after 65 hours yeah you don't care about them but you feel like you need to do them because you don't want to be under leveled I mean, Skyrim does the same thing too. There's Skyrim a, does oh, the same. It's like, I mean, it's all optional. You can skip all of that. Um, although Skyrim is, in terms of how you play out the story, it has there's way more uh, replayability in that game in the sense of like, what kind of story do you want to play out? Like they they've made it. Well, anyways, I don't get into Skyrim. Sure, we can talk about that for a while. Um, right, Pathfinder does a good job with, like I said, there's alignment choices that you make that impact the story and how it plays out with characters, but there's still a lot of other content. That isn't that. Yeah. That is important to go through if you want to keep up your levels, and if you don't want to miss out on the shining sword of awesomeness that you might find that you really need for your character, because there's only one of them in the world. I see. Right. Like you don't want to miss out on something. I mean, there's definitely like a FOMO fear of missing out in that sort of game that's that expansive that you know sucks because you're like, well, you did it, and you didn't have to add this extra content, and it's awesome that the game's 140 hours if you want to play it. Yeah. Yeah. And but at the same time. It's just really long. Well, that, and that's what—that's why I asked the question. Not being think, fully invested in it. Yeah. Do you think the game was designed really for like the hardcore players, like people who fucking love that game? Because then you then you have like if I want to spend more time in the world, they have built that 
for right. me. Like, I can spend all the, all the time I want playing in this world. Yeah. If I, you're really into it. I think yeah. if you're really into it. And I mean, I don't appreciate Skyrim near as much as other people do. I mean, yeah. just to quickly bring it up. Uh, and that's sort of the same thing. You can spend a lot of time in these games, but yeah. I think that they're too long for me. Yeah. I still have it in my top 100 list of games, even though I'm not going to finish it. Because yeah. 65 hours of enjoyment, I mean, I didn't enjoy the whole 65 hours, but most of it I <laughs> yeah, did, yeah, yeah. is a lot of time to enjoy a game. And it had a lot of cool experiences and gameplay mechanics that I haven't really seen before or executed in the way that it executed it before. Like what? Uh, so there are parts of the game, um, like narratively, that it, it calls back uh, choices you made. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, hey, this is happening because you did this. And it's very quick and intuitive for how, how this results. But the kingdom management is the other big one and how yeah. it relates to the, the story overall. It's like, hey, you have 100 days to solve this problem, which matters because you're walking around the world spending time. You're resting, which eats up time. You're doing all these things that eat up time. That's cool. Whereas most games like Baldur's Gate, you could rest after every single battle. Yeah. Right? You're 100% for every battle. But this, you're like, do I want to rest? Because I might not have enough time to do this other side quest before I have to do this other thing. Right. And so time feels like a factor in the game. And the game plays out over, I don't know, five years of time, of, of game time. And you actually care about solving quests at opportune moments. If you, go, if you uh, have a character come up to you and say, hey, uh, I really need this to happen. Meet me here. And you don't meet them for a week. That quest is done. You will not get to do it <laughs> this like playthrough. So time is, time is a major factor in the so, game. Right. So the game feels very immersive at time. It felt very immersive for the first <laughs> several dozen hours yeah. because of that. It's just that eventually the mechanics and, and narrative weren't drawing me in enough. I don't want to okay. say that it was like bad, but it was just tiring. Gotcha. Uh, and I think maybe that's part of it is fatigue in these games. I want to go back to something you said earlier where you put a price to hour for right. So you said $5 per hour of gameplay. That seems very, because I was thinking about that when you said that, I think I would only do like a dollar an hour. But like I mean, five per hour is a movie, right? You go see a movie and you pay $12 that's, and it's two hours. That's true. I mean, that's true, but I guess my expectations are different for video games. Cause I, if I spend 60 bucks, like kind of, I kind of want to get sixty hours of gameplay out of it. You know, if I spend ten dollars on a game, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to put this kind of metric together, but that's a curious it, thing you've asked. Like, if it think, is. to think about, like, what is your expectation uh, dollar per hour for a, a video game? There are games that I would say are worth a lot more than the sixty dollar MSRP that are worth more than a hundred dollars. But I would say that there's obviously a very small number of those. Yeah. I think any of the Dark Souls games. You know, I'm glad I don't have to pay this, but I could have paid $150 for it, and that experience would have been worth it. Uh, I would have been just even more angry at myself. <laughs> uh, there are very, I mean, there's 10 games like that, right? I mean, yeah. there's very, very few that deliver such an experience that I am willing to pay, that I would be willing to pay that much money. Right. And hopefully Sekiro Shadows Die Twice will do that too. That's going <laughs> nice out one. soon. But I mean, I, I bought, I mean, I bought Skyrim three times because I, I had it for PS3, I bought it for PS4, and eventually bought the HD, or PS4, I forget what order I bought it in, but I ended up buying the game like two or three times um, because I really liked the game. Because right. I wanted to spend, and it's a game where you can spend a lot of time in the world 
being different characters playing on different storylines to conclusions that aren't have, that not necessarily have anything to do with the main storyline. Right. And I would wager for most people, even if they agreed that you could spend a lot of money on games, would have a list of maybe 15 games that they would spend yeah. that much money on. But also, or I mean, that they would spend that much per hour on or something. It's also like a personal decision, too. I mean, you can't expect everybody else. Like, if, if they were charging $150 for Dark Souls 2 or something, that it's not like... They would make a lot less money. Yeah, obviously, because yeah, a lot of people would have been like, ah, no. <laughs> right, and most people, it's not worth that much because most people, Dark Souls isn't their top ten game of all time, no. and they haven't played hundreds of games to compare them against. Right. Yeah. That's I'm absolutely don't think they should charge that much. Yeah, you get into it, and you're like, why? Why is this a game? Right. This but this is, is just my personal value <laughs> yeah. on it. Is I think certain games are worth a lot. It's just to illustrate that games can be all worth a lot per hour. Sure. Uh, in terms of how much time you put into them, uh, it's really a factor of how impactful the, the game is. And the same is true of, of books and movies. I would be willing to pay more for certain movies that maybe I loved or oh, yeah. books that I loved. But there's so few and far between that that's why they had that personal value to yeah. me. And I think length is not relevant for crafting an experience the more you have of a good thing is mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue is a bad thing. I want more Witcher, right? I mean, I love the Witcher. Sure. I want more Dark Souls, but I'm pretty happy with what's available <laughs> and it's more than a fair price. Uh, so I guess the ultimate question then, how long is too long? And I know it's probably genre specific, but if we're talking about RPGs, how long is too long? So I think, well, if you're talking about RPGs, it's when the game stops evolving. Okay. I think that's probably the easiest metric. When I, I was going to bring it up quickly with Bard's Tale 4. So it's only a 30-hour game, and I played about 20 hours, and I stopped playing. There was no more progression to the game, and every battle was basically the same thing from here on out with a few tweaks. There was no more for me to experience. Yeah. I had finished all the gameplay that was available in the game. And yeah, there's a story, but the Bard's Tale 4 story isn't that amazing. There's yeah. very few stories that are going to drive me, and it really... Story is an addition to most games. It's not the core driving element because books are going to do it better because they are literally 100% story. Uh, (laughs) Gameplay is a core element of games. And if you lose that, you kind of lose the game. I think progression, you could probably argue, is also for any game. It's just the way progression works is a little different than an RPG. Right. Right. You know, am I still learning new mechanics or fighting new enemies or fighting new bosses or doing something new? Yeah. Basically, you're saying Pathfinder's worth about 60 hours, 60 hours of time, then quit playing. It was for me. It'll vary for everybody. I, I still recommend it. Like I said, it's some. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it reminded me a bit of, I think, was it Neverwinter Nights 2 that had some like castle management mixed in with an RPG? Yeah, there was something. Was it, was it that one? I, I think so. There also was an expansion where you had like a. You had some element of management to the yeah, game too. I thought it was super. I remember thinking that was super cool. Yeah, I think uh, it's one of the DLC for it. And like it's it's like you're in the adventure and you you don't have you, know, you don't have a castle and then you get one, you find it and take over and then you start. Well, Baldur's Gate Two has that as well. You get strongholds that are class specific. Yeah, and I like that. I like that. That's cool. I it was cool, cool in Baldur's Gate, but it was also such a minute part of the game that right. it's like as oh, a cool side thing. Yeah, well, that, that's got me interested in checking out that game as well, which I definitely have time to play. Right, obviously. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the answer to how long is too long varies by everybody and there's no set hours in my opinion and oh I, man you're gonna let us all that we need a hard answer that's the thing is that there's 36.2 no, hours there's no hard answer the answer is when the game stops evolving yeah is the simplest answer and if the narrative isn't like incredibly gripping and keeping you just totally in its well, grip 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. If then you, yeah, it's it's right. not worth. Yeah, I got you. And the vast majority of games can't hold it. No, actually, sorry. No game can hold a 140-hour narrative. There's been no game in the history Ooh, of the world that's held that. Challenge. Not even we're close to that. Not not including it's like single playthrough. Single playthrough. Okay. I I'd say the most <laughs> is like 30 hours of narrative. Like Witcher is not. You know, it's a 70-hour game, but it's not 70 hours of narrative. What is the longest game what what is the longest one that you can think of that that holds you well i would well, I could, narrative now it's not fair to i mean we always love to talk about baldur's gate it's not fair to tie all the baldur's gate and games oh. together because that's, that's like four games all right so right? But, i think i think we should call this and i'm going to think about that question in okay. between segments because i'll have two answers for you and i don't want to spend on your time thinking about it yeah so I, that's that's the answer that's my answer okay that's where we're at, and then I'm pretty excited to get into talking about open world games, yeah. especially Red Dead Redemption Two, because I can't play it because it's not on PC yet. Because stupid. Wah, wah. Yeah, they're gonna port it though. They will. All right, we'll come back in a minute and talk about some more stuff and okay. wrap up the show with some fun games and such and things. And yeah, it's Yay, great. Yay, fun! Still uh, get the rust off of season one. So I can answer that question real quick on the longest cohesive narrative. Okay. Which is, I had two. It's near Automata and Planescape Torment. Uh, Planescape oh. has a lot of side stuff, but both of those games, the big thing that it does is you're kind of exploring the world and the world that it has, everything kind of functions and funnels back into the main story. Okay. And so, A, the narrative is kind of constantly ha- happening and being driven forth. There's not a lot of weird side stuff that's irrelevant. Yeah. And even the side stuff that's there funnels back to the story and they're both about 30 ish hour long games so that's probably about the max that i have seen all right for well, any sort of game what's well, a good thing to throw out there to our listeners because we have those we've got uh, listeners <laughs> all right sorry we do have listeners yeah so anybody checking it out if you if you have a game in mind you're hearing us talk about this and you're like no no no, this this game x y or z has a very driving long narrative that holds you for more than 30 hours please let us know yeah i would love to hear it so we can tell you you're wrong. Yeah. Because like Witcher 3 is not 30 hours of narrative. No. Right? So nah. there you go. Okay. So, so now we can get into our final topic for the day. S- speaking of long fucking games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about a little bit of a, the brilliance of um, Rockstar's open world games, which does a good job of um, actually keeping the narrative developing and developing game mechanics as you play the game, uh, which I think is really one of the reasons they're so brilliant about it. So Red Dead Redemption 2 came out last October. Uh, I definitely jumped on top of that, sunk a lot of time into it. I mean... As did a lot of people. As did a lot of people. I mean, flat out, it's one of the best games. It's it's a top top 10 game. Okay. Uh, it is... The, the, the thing that really throws me threw me off at first, and, and I think a lot of people, is the pacing. So you get into the game, and your character just feels kind of clunky and slow. And it takes a while to adjust to the fact that they've really kind of set it up in a natural speed like you pick up items your character actually reaches out picks up the item puts it in his pocket you know so you have to wait for that you get you get used to it but at first it was a little off-putting it doesn't teleport into your inventory right yeah and he doesn't like twitch move everywhere you know he's like moves like a person would move uh you know at a reasonable rate and i mean even as far as like the guns uh when you reload a gun it happens at the speed that somebody who's proficient with that weapon would take to reload that gun so in the middle of a gunfight, you got to reload something. You just got to hide and reload. It's just, that's how it goes, and that's a cool aspect of the game too. But 
Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 is definitely one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen, ever, uh, in terms of you know, realistic settings, right? I mean, lots of games are beautiful games because they, they do their own kind of, um, you know, esoteric or, or avant-garde or, or specific art styles they embrace, and they do that really well, and it looks really cool, but in terms of, like, just creating a realistic world, uh, I've never seen anything like it. It uh, looks really pretty. I mean, I've just looked at videos and watched people play some online. Oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, on top of that, it's super, super fun. <laughs> that's pretty important for a game <laughs> yeah um the story is uh i think I saw, the story was really good i thought i mean there were moments in that game where i can, th- I can remember like i felt like i felt like a little kid at times like in in a freaking western movie like there's one moment you're you're with your crew you're with a bunch of uh indians there and you're all raiding a uh oil processing plant or something and you know you hear the uh Native Americans, sorry. Native Americans are all, all like doing their war cries. Your whole crew is like riding in formation. And then like one thing they did really well in this game is with the music, um, the music swells as you're charging in and you hear the gunfire and everything and everybody's shouting and, and you're riding as a crew, like the, the big climactic Western movie music starts queuing in and I, and I have my headphones on and I'm playing it and I just like had the stupidest shit eating grin on my face because I was having so much fun. You charge in, this huge gun battle plays out, and everybody, it's just, it is just a freaking blast. I don't know how else to describe just how, I mean, it's a super, you know, those moments in games where you're like, this is a, this moment is so much fun. Right. This is why I play video games. You're going to remember that moment forever. Forever. That is like, this is why I play video games for moments like this. It was so cool. Yep. Um, And that's something they did really well in that game as well. Like when you, you know, and for most of the time, the, the music of the game is just the ambience of the, of the world, right? Um, but they would carefully work in songs and music into the game at certain moments as you travel from place to place. Like if a big pivotal moment in the story happens and now you're riding from this one place to another, you know, this the song cues up. And instead of racing or teleporting, they're like, nope, you're just going to ride this for ride from here to there. It's going to take you a while, and we're going to play the song in the background. But it's so well crafted, it really creates this really – it creates these great moments in the story. Um, and we've and talked I, about how important music is in games before. Oh, it's clutch. They, it's another thing. They just they knocked it out of the park. It's just amazing. Which you want to do with an open world game because things can change at weird times, right? So Because you're in control of part of the narrative. Yeah. So being able to adapt to that, I think, is pretty hard to do, right? I was very impressed. Yeah, and it's, and it's not like you'd have like a, a singer and, a, and a music, an instrument like pop up that was kind of out of place because most of what's happening in the world is like, you know, most of the music you're hearing is in the world itself. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly this track will come over it. And it's it's a little bit outside the narrative, but it, it works so well. I, I, I don't want to give it, I don't want to over-describe it and give anything away because it's sure. absolutely worth experiencing. And then the ending of the game, damn, like, damn. I, like, I felt that. And I think a lot of people, I saw a lot of the memes on, on Reddit when it was first, when people first started finishing the game and everybody was having kind of the same reaction, just like, jaw on the floor eyes open like i what just happened you know it's it's a it's a gut punch man it's you i mean it really takes you it is not a (laughs) is not the narrative i expected um the game did not finish at all like i thought it would um and it's it's not a happy ending it's tragic 
it's it's a good ending it's just it's a tragic story mm-hmm. it's, it's a very tragic story um and it is, it is <laughs> how past- spoilery is that <laughs> to say it's a tragic ending i don't think it's i mean it's dude you're in the you're in the wild west it's a okay. brutal place <laughs> okay i mean it's brutal there are moments where like <laughs> brutal things happen brutal like there's there's That's moments fair. where like a character that like that i liked just fucking gets blown away right in front of me and it's it's in a game in a lot of games you're like okay whatever in this game i was like oh no like what and i did i like that character what mm-hmm. you, you get attached to these people and they just how, how much of those are impacted by choices you make like is it a big choice driven game or is it just that's the narrative that's the narrative okay. so um one thing i think that rockstar does well is speaking of the brilliance of their open world games um their narrative they they have a story they're going to tell and Sure, there's choices you can make along the way, but ultimately, but ultimately, there's a story that they're trying to tell, uh, and you, they're going to tell that story, and you're going to play through it. The choices come from all the other stuff. Like, if you want to suddenly break away from the narrative and spend time shooting up towns and riding horses and, and doing whatever, uh, which would, in theory, kind of mess up the whole narrative, they let you do that, and it doesn't like, necessarily impact the actual story that you're, they're trying to tell. Um, and that's something I did too a couple of times. Like I would, I'd break, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of tired of doing the narrative. I'm going to break away and just go wander off into the section of the map that I haven't been to yet and see what adventures happen. And adventures do happen. You, you keep running across random characters out in the wilderness. You can help them, hurt them, do whatever you want. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of like subtle, um, th- lots of like subtle moments that are really cool. Um, just as an example, one time I was, uh, riding my horse down a path and I see a guy coming towards me and he's slumped over in his saddle and as it gets closer he just falls from his saddle on the floor and he's dead. Okay. And I'm like, that's weird. So I just get off the horse and loot him and you get some gold teeth or whatever and you're like, well, I guess I'm gonna continue on my way and you do and it's like, that was it. <laughs> but there's like these flavor moments they just put in all over the game. You can't you can't really go anywhere without like something kind of neat happening. Um, it ranges from, you know, sometimes there's a damsel in distress, right? Uh, on the side of the road. Or sometimes there's a... You know, some dude's like calling for your help and you get off and then you get attacked, you get jumped, right? Which is bad for them because you're, you know, badass Because you're the hero. Yeah. Well, oh, that's the other thing about this game too. You're a bad guy. Right, you're the protagonist. You're the protagonist. Yeah. Now, now there is, I remember, I think when we, when we, I think you and I talked about it offline a bit, but I remember telling people the first, like the first like act or two of the game I was playing, I was like, I don't understand the redemption side of this. Like, where is this Red Dead? Where's the, <laughs> Where redemption, the redemption of Red Dead? Yeah. Like, I'm a bad dude. Like, mm-hmm. I'm doing bad things to, to nice people and innocent people. I'm, I'm, you're, you are a bad guy. <laughs> uh, there is a redemption aspect to it, uh, which I thought was brilliant. But man, they really drive home that you're an asshole. Like, you are a murdering, thieving okay. outlaw. And at times, like, I felt uncomfortable with that because <laughs> I was like, man. Because you have morals? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm a bad dude. This is, this is weird. But, you know, the, the so to, to tie it into the bigger concept here about the brilliance of their open world games, um, you know, when you talk about, we talked about in the last section segment about um, game mechanics developing and narrative developing. One thing that Rockstar's always done really well in the previous games is having those big moments. Where they set a story. They're like, hey, uh, take, take uh, San Andreas. They're like, hey, you're in this gang. There's a gang warfare happening. You take over territories, whatever. And you, they build that story, that narrative. You play that. And then everything changes. It doesn't just like, it doesn't grow. Suddenly, the gangs don't matter anymore. The territories don't matter anymore because some bigger threat has shown up. And everybody's been shifted. And now you're in a different place. And the game, the, the story has totally changed. And the game mechanics of what you're trying to accomplish have totally changed. You know, um, They do the same thing in Red Dead it's, it, and, and other GTA games. 
they do a great job of like establishing here's the story you think we're telling and here's the gameplay you're here's what you're doing and then at their at the end of their acts you know they kind of divide their games up into multiple acts it's it's not just okay here's the next part of that act you know, here's the following act. it's like let's just take a total left turn and, and we've established the story we've established the characters and now we're just going to like totally shake it up on you so does the open world change then yeah like, so like so, you're experiencing new open world it's not something static right the the world changes too and okay. and oftentimes mechanics change like the things you can do the things you can't do uh it'll unlock new vehicles or areas or or ways of interacting with the environment um which is neat you know um and as we were just talking about that's how you make a long game or a longer game work is you keep progressing mechanics. yes you keep progressing something mechanics. yeah and so that and how, how long was Red Dead? Uh, yeah. about? Actually, I actually have no idea. Okay. I spent a, I mean, I sunk a lot of hours into it. I oh. couldn't tell you. Yeah, I'll wake up with the averages while we're talking. Okay. Yeah, and another weird thing too. Speaking of its length, is this, the narrative itself doesn't even take you to the entire game map. I mean, they built out an entire section uh, that you never visit if you just follow the main storyline. And so it's like there for you to just go down and explore. And there is stuff to do. Oh, did you find it? Uh, I'm looking oh, at it. Yeah, keep going. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's stuff to do down there, but it's it's uh it's like not required. So it also has that if you want to explore, they have created enough stuff out there to like genuinely just explore and adventure and do things. Like it's it's what I found when I was playing the game is what do I feel like doing today while I'm playing the game? Do I feel like exploring? Do I feel like shooting things? Do I feel like hunting? Do I feel like doing the narrative? Was it like, important to go? Did did you get any more powerful from doing the side? content do you like get loot or gear or yeah, yeah. skills or something yes okay so yeah, your character is getting more powerful as you're playing yeah i mean sometimes it's literally and it probably helps to do those things on the even if you're mainly yeah. focused on the main story is hey i want to get one more skill point to get something or i want this gun yeah. or whatever and what's and one thing they always i think they've always done well and we're going to we're going to jump to cd project right here in a second um, is it just there's all these other stories you can discover, like little mini side side stories, you know, like the subplot of a TV show. Right, and they're actually interesting stories and not help me with my cat. Right. Can you, I really need this package. Can you go get it for yeah. me? And they, of course, range from like the you know, sweet to bizarre to, you know, it's, it's Grand Theft Auto's st- or Rockstar's, you know, style of, of humor. You right. Know, I, I think side quests in open world games should be able to be captured in a interesting short story yeah like if you couldn't put that down into a short story it shouldn't be a side mission and most games just have side missions that are there solely for the purpose of getting your character more experience or gear and kind of grinding away at this instead of actually delivering a compelling short narrative yeah which is what i want out of them so red dead i looked it up the main story is listed red dead 2 is listed at 45 hours Mm -hmm. Main plus extras is 73 hours, and to 100% it, it's 150 hours. Yeah, that sounds right. It's a long game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect game. I'm not going to sit here and say it's perfect. There'll be no game. What would be a perfect game? I think you probably have. No, I mean, XCOM 2 is my closest to a perfect game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I'd it's say pretty Re- perfect for what it is. I'd say Red Dead Redemption 2 is close to a perfect game. It is harder. It's sort of easier to make XCOM, like, the style of XCOM to make a perfect game yep. than Red Dead is because there's not like heavy narrative elements to XCOM. It's all mechanics. Yeah. Well, in Red Dead, and it's not even you know XCOM's not even perfect. It could have more personality <laughs> to the game. Yeah. And Red Dead Redemption also a lot. It relies so much on the player to drive the experience as well because like it's it's that's a question I'd have when I sat down. It's like how do I want to play this? And it's the same question I had when I played their other games. 
I, it's, it's that's what I like about these open world games because I can do different things. It's like, what do I feel like doing today in this game? Like, how do I want to play the game today? And that's that's what's great about it. And but there's another piece I want to talk about. CD Projekt Red is coming up. Uh, Rockstar, Rockstar Games has kind of had the monopoly on open world games. And I know there's other people who have made open world games, but I'm going to argue that in terms of true open world, Rockstar has like been by and far the best. Uh, but then there's this other little company called CD Projekt Red coming up, yeah. the makers of the Witcher series. Now, would you say Witcher 3 is comparable to Rockstar's games? Because I think Witcher 3 is the best open world I've experienced. I mean, granted, I haven't played Red Dead 2. Sure. Uh, Witcher three, yeah. I'm like, I just I played that recently. Um, it was a great game. That was a really great game. And the funny thing is, I mean, there are really good side stories and a lot of good side content to the game, and you really feel like a Witcher. Like the narrative is set up for you to do side missions yeah. because Witchers take contracts to kill monsters. So you getting a contract to kill a monster makes sense. Yeah. That's how these things work. It is a little weird because he obviously would care more about <laughs> finding his daughter, which is the whole point of the game, than like stopping to go kill a griffin. Yeah. And I think the game would have been more enjoyable to me if it was like Witcher 2 and more of a straight line narrative or branching path narrative. But despite that, it was still a very good open world. I think it was a very, I think it was an excellently built open world game. It had its little side, it had its little side missions, like short stories that you could learn. So it's not just like, you know, go kill this thing for me to get this thing, you know, to get this present or a reward right. or whatever. It's more of a, uh, you know, short stories. Like your side quests are these little short stories that are enjoyable. You know? Right. I mean, a lot of them are stories that could have fit into the actual short story books that uh, Sipkowski, the actual author, yeah. wrote. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. The first couple books of his series, of The Witcher Saga, are literally like short. six short stories or whatever per yeah. book. Which super fun to read. And they're the super great reads. And it's all a lot of the short story, or a lot of the side quests in Witcher 3 are just like that. Yeah. And so... That, that, so I think CD Projekt Red, I'm really excited uh, to see what they're going to be doing because it, it's cool to have – Rockstar needs a little bit of competition in yeah, terms competition of – Competition is always good. Yeah, and Witcher 3 in terms of its open world design. I mean, at the end of the day, Rockstar's still just the the smooth, the technical mastery of constructing an open world. I think Rockstar still has it. Okay. Um, but CD Projekt Red – I mean, just think about the experience they've got. They've been doing this for a very long time. Sure. Um, but I think CD Projekt Red is on the way up, and I'm really excited about something they're doing called uh, uh, Cyberpunk. Yep. Which 2077. We, 2077, yeah. We've Should talked about it. this a little bit. Um, and one of the things, so this is going to be another big open world game. Uh, these kind of open world games make me a little nervous because when you create big urban, dense urban environments, it, they never feel alive because it's like it, just from pure resources on the machine that's running the game, it, you, you have to cram so much stuff. Right, it's hard to simulate an entire city that you are first person view. Right. I think that's why like, they, they can make Red Dead look so amazing because like they're not having to spend a whole lot of resources on like having uh, like simulating a hundred people in one spot plus all the stuff happening around you like it just just the, the pure you know de resource demand isn't as high sure yeah you have a much smaller <laughs> group of people in a western town yeah than you do modern or futuristic right so that and so cyberpunk 2077 that's something that does make me nervous about the game like are they going to be able to simulate an urban environment to that extent to feels real but the, what i've seen so far looks it looks good yeah but the other really exciting thing about that is its approach to open world games and so i'm going to talk a bit about horizontal and vertical right so if you look at 
all the previous Rockstar games and the Witcher games and most open world games, um, like to go back all the way to Baldur's Gate or Fallout games, they're all uh, horizontal, meaning like you travel across these country, like the countryside. And yeah, there's buildings and you can go up and down buildings a little bit. Um, and in, you know, there might be a dungeon you go down to. But ultimately, even in Grand Theft Auto, when, they're, when you go into the tall buildings, it's like if you look at it, they've only, they've only actually built like two floors. Everything else is just nothing. Um, now, I don't know if that is or is not true with Cyberpunk, but what I've, what I've seen so far from the gameplay is that Cyberpunk is very vertically built. So whereas you explore horizontally in most of these other games, I think, I think Cyberpunk is looking to be a smaller, like overall sized map, but far more vertically uh, you can actually built. go through all the floors. Yeah, it's it's like your adventure is through exploring up and down, not just left and right, you know. Sure. So, which, that's kind of interesting. And from the gameplay videos I've seen, the game. this is the gameplay videos, it does look like a lived-in world. It feels like a dense urban environment. I hope that holds true when the game actually releases. You probably do need the verticality for that to feel true. Right. Cyberpunk-themed <laughs> yeah. uh, fiction there's lots of tall buildings and ships and other components to the city that require it to be kind of up in the air for it to feel like a cyberpunk. For it to work, yeah. So if they, I think if they can pull that off, um, I think we're looking at what could be an incredible game. And it's CDPR, <laughs> so there's a, there's a good chance that they make a good game. I think so. Uh, the, the question is, have they developed the technical mastery of designing this these type of games well there are also them. elements that let you not necessarily get into the technicality but still give the appearance of a dense environment for mm -hmm. example you could have really narrow alleys narrow streets that you navigate so yeah. that you don't have to render as much and I've, that's that's what i've seen so far it all seems pretty closed in so if you only have to right. if you only have to visually show you know a block in each direction is just a very densely populated right area. there's ways to kind of make the technical work with the narrative as long as you're creative about it exactly yeah and i feel pretty confident that they've got the game design chops to pull that off I think so well i mean i've watched the gameplay videos uh it looks looks like they did it it's yeah i've only seen a few of the videos i mean it's small clips yeah but i'll to be fair i have no reason to believe that they did the same thing that rockstar did that like most buildings you can't enter and most buildings any building you can't enter it's like a very specific area they've designed i'd be if it if they made it where like you could literally break into every single building you see uh and <laughs> visit every floor and there's stuff there and that's and that's what i think what one thing that rockstar does so well is like when you see when you're on that map everything you see you can go visit you know until you hit the edges and it's like hey you're just too far away but like every, pretty much everything you can see, you can go to that place. And when you get to that place, some artist in a room somewhere de designed that space. Right, and you're saying that the benefit of uh, having everything in the environment be fully interactable mm -hmm. is better perhaps than having a giant in environment but not have everything be interactive yeah i mean it's, it's, we're talking about immersion right right I mean, it's again it's easier to do that on a horizontal plane especially in the wild west or right. even in a you know that's one of my issues with grand theft auto is you get into the cities and you really like you feel like you can do whatever you want until you realize that you really can't go in like any of the buildings right the buildings are just cardboard cutouts right and uh whereas the nice about red dead redemption is because they didn't have to i mean the, you could go in every building um uh, but you know there's no point because it's not a big deal because they're all like one story usually little 
ranch so, houses. So. One thing uh, I think about open world games that they can uh, provide a better experience for than a lot of other games is a focus on characters. Yeah. Uh, because the world is sort of what you make it, but the characters are going to persist and they can interact, interact with the world and with you in a multitude of different ways that a purely linear game doesn't really allow for. Yeah. So how impactful were the characters and how you experienced the story of Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, I know you said you liked one of them that died and, and oh, stuff, no. but like amazing. Okay. Like I, there were characters that I really, really like grew attached to, and there were characters that I hated. Okay. Like, like villains. Right. You, you had know. strong emotions towards a lot of the characters. Yeah. The, the they're. I mean, that's that's one of the other great things that that uh, Rockstar does well is the characters they place in this environment that you can interact with just have so much personality you know and it's all like a lot of it's all dialed up just a little bit you know it's like a normal person then they take it up a few notches just to make it more enjoyable in the game and yeah it's it's but they feel like people they feel especially in red Dead redemption 2 they feel like people they do such a good job of making these them feel like people and what's really cool is a lot of the interactions you have with people just out in the world feel like people uh i feel like there's no there's very few characters where you're like, oh, here's just some, you know, here's another, you know, carbon copy NPC. And, and yeah, that's what they are, sure. But it, they did a good job of like setting up their, how they move around in the city and how they interact with you to feel like kind of real. Well, I am excited about when it gets ported to the PC. Yeah. Because one of two things will happen. I'll either love it. <laughs> or you'll hate and, it. And I would love to love a game. I have very few games that I love, but the ones I do I, were such great experiences that they have big moments of impact on my life that i remember other things i was doing when i was playing that game right uh or i get to tear it to shreds which is also fun because i love when games i feel are overrated and i have what i feel are valid reasons for why it's overrated so we'll see what happens if you love open world games i mean it's one of the best ever made. i've always liked the idea of them but the execution always feels wanting well not always but usually feels wanting i would there i would agree with that most oh most open world games uh are, it's it's not easy and so i rockstar to me is their team the team there that designed the games is both technically and creatively brilliant right like when uh probably the biggest example of open worlds that are super generic feeling are ubisoft games like every far cry is the same game yeah every assassin's creed is the same game (laughs) you know all their all of their games are basically the same thing here's some checkpoints to go after here's a stupid story that nobody really cares about hey you leveled up good job i mean i don't get me wrong i love assassin's creed you've heard me talk about origins i love that game but it's not when it comes to it's it just doesn't hold in the same place. No, like, most open world games are checkbox fillers. Yeah. I mean, sure, you can have fun doing these things and there's cool elements, but they're checkbox fillers. They don't mm-hmm. use the open world to create a narrative that you really feel immersed in. Right. And that's what a good open world should do is use this world to say, hey, if you go off and do something, it's not random. It's part of the world. Yeah. And yeah, it seems like Rockstar does a good job with it. I'd and, say so. And we'll see what CD what uh, CDPR does with their second foray into open world. Yeah, because they did the Witcher games, and now yeah, they. Witcher Three is the only open world of those. I'm trying to think if there. Can you think of any other like open world, like future set, but that are not post-apocalyptic? I can't like oh just period. Yeah. Not d- not, not good ones, just anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I can think of some like FPSs that were set in those, but that's well. I mean, so near uh, and near Automata mm-hmm. are both kind of open world games, and that there is a world landscape you can walk around in. Yeah, 
but they're way heavier narrative structured that stream it's not it's not as big of a deal like going on a side quest to do something even though there are a few of those they're more like hey there's just different points and this is how the world looks deus ex deus ex Ex games and that's still still pretty real it's it's, yeah because it ends up playing more like a branching path game than yeah even though yeah it's it's quarter technically unfinished but really you're going to your mission and you're doing it however you're doing it yeah so actually that'll be interesting to see does does uh is is going is cyberpunk going to be more of like the deus ex style open world which is still pretty rails driven or is it going to be more of the rockstar open world which is you can really go out and just do your own thing and then return to the narrative that they seem to be selling it as the red dead witcher style yeah which would be awesome we'll see all right well we are reaching the end of this first season two episode that has been very long uh, uh i think we're getting back into it yeah the cobwebs are coming off yep a little bit I, i'm feeling good about it all right so we're gonna try a new thing uh we talked about the top of the episode soundbite so i'm about to play i'm gonna play a soundbite for you and for the listeners there at home or in your car wherever you're at and if you know what it is you want to take a guess shoot us a message and next week, I will tell you what it is and see if you got it right. Oh, so you don't want me to answer this? I don't want you to answer this right now. Okay. I might do a second one just for you to guess right now. But this is for everybody listening at home. Okay. You can, I mean, you can, you can take a guess. I'll edit it out. I'll tell you if you got it right or not. <laughs> okay. How about that? I was like, we could also wait ten seconds or something, fill some airspace with it. Yeah. For my guess. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cue this up. Uh, don't look at my phone because you'll see what it is. Okay. Right. I won't look at your phone. But I'm gonna crank it up. Hopefully, this comes across in the microphone. We'll see. That's the clip. So that is a clip from, uh, I'll give you a hint, one of my favorite games. Interesting. Yeah, we should uh, probably... Do you, do you have an idea of what it is? You want to write it down, what you think it is? I don't know off the top of my head. All right. There's, so, one, there's one part that I feel like is pretty critical in it. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff happening there. What'd you, what did you hear in that clip? Well... So there's the like heart monitor thing. Yep. There's the shooting, obviously, but yep. then there's the ah sound, yep. which I think is pretty critical. It is, but I can't quite pick it out. That that sound is super familiar. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a little bit more interesting. If you can guess, whoever gets the right answer uh, first, I will uh, buy you a round of beer at Fourth Tap if you live in Austin. If you don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Come to Austin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But winner that's will get winner will get some some free stuff. Maybe that's how maybe we can make a contest out yeah, of sure, it. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. Yeah. So this time around, free, you get some free beers. Um. All right. Well, that that brings us to the end of our uh, of our episode. Yeah. If you have any questions, comments, go to our website, nosickdayspodcast.com. Yep. Uh, send us an email, nosickdayspodcast at gmail.com. We've yep. got and all the other Facebook stuff that you can find all the social out medias. in the world. Yep. It exists. Yeah. Feel free to send us something. If you have a topic that you think is interesting or a comment on something we talked about, we'll look at it and respond, you know, possibly talk about it in the air. Yeah, I think season two is going to be fun. I mean, we got plans. I think with some of the guests we bring on, it'll be super fun. Uh, some of the dives we'll do. I think we'll introduce some more games to it. 
Uh, we might be doing some traveling. Uh, might be, we're going to be doing more. I know we're going to be doing more on-site recording because I, I want to take us down to the Smash Brothers tournament one of these nights and record there. I think that would be fun. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I might even enter. I've never played the new one. and they, These guys are good. <laughs> I've only played a little bit, but I would totally play. We'll, that would we'll be get, fun for a night. We'll get destroyed. <laughs> we will definitely get destroyed. Yeah, so we're going to have some adventures here in Austin and Texas with video games. It should be a good time. And yep. Looking right. forward to talking about it. Hell yeah. And how long season two going to be until we... till season three. <laughs> until we get yeah, starts. <laughs> until we get tired. Well, and that, that part we'll figure out uh, to be determined. But we're right. looking forward to a new fancy season two. All right. Well, till then, uh, I'm John. I'm Chris. And we will catch you all next time. <laughs>